Hey guys, Veronica, Andrew, and Nate here. We are Foodies Watching Movies, a podcast dedicated to awesome movies, great food, and that's about it. Check us out on the JIC Network at www.journeyintocomics.com. Maybe throw some money over to our Patreon so we can eat this week. And now your feature presentation. What on earth is that? It's a Journey Into Comics Network production! Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is episode 55 of Poor 360. As always, I am your host, Andrew Point. Thank you for joining me here on another cold Tuesday. Now, for those of you who have been paying attention to the news lately, obviously we're in the midst of the impeachment trial, but we did have some uh, tragic events happen on Sunday involving uh, basketball player Kobe Bryant and eight others, including his daughter and some of her teammates and their families um, tragically lost their lives in a helicopter accident in uh, Calabasas. Um, so I offer um, my heartfelt condolences to them. Um, and it got me kind of thinking about what to talk about on this week's show. Um, because uh, the next day, which was uh, Monday, um, we saw that... And not, not to kind of steer away from this, but I think it is important to talk about kind of the what kind of came out of the events obviously this isn't going to be necessarily a, a tribute um but this isn't talking about how what's going on in terms of uh social media when it comes to uh tragedy sorry that was my phone now for um if you were like me then on yeah if you were like me then on uh sunday once you saw through social media, like I first saw it through Twitter, you're trying to figure out if this um, story was true, if it was just, um, it was just something that was blown up portion, if they were just reporting to report. So I, I, I went kind of straight away to like trying to see more information. Like, was this really him? Are they just saying it was him? Was everyone else involved also killed? There was just a lot of was happening, and um, news media was reporting and saying this is what happened. This hasn't been confirmed. Uh, I remember seeing reports that it was like it was his whole family was on board, or all of his daughters, but not his wife. Or it, it, I kept hearing lots back and forth, and people were tweeting and sharing, and on Facebook, people were off their condolences and not knowing and being just. And I wondered, kind of, the next day, why, why this was something that necessarily kind of went kind of everywhere, why everyone was off their condolences. And I was thinking back to uh, just last year when we had the um, the fire at uh, Notre Dame in Paris with the when the church was going up and everyone was sharing videos and pictures and then sharing the memories of when they visited it on their vacation decades ago or years ago. And I was realizing that people just need a connection to some major event. They like the, not really like the idea, but they feel involved and it seems that whenever there's been a major um, tragedy, either a death of a celebrity, a death of a famous person, a major world event, like we've seen it um, when we had the Australia wildfires, a lot of people sharing um, pictures of animals that have been rescued, sharing um, 
oh, and I was there on this. Like people like to insert themselves into. It. I don't know if it gives them validation or it just helps them feel like they're a part. And I remember as far back as um, which I which I've talked about before, but I remember um, like I remember being um, back in two thousand. I remember being on the the roof of one of the World Trade Center towers on a family vacation. We just went up there, and um, and then I remember like obviously when nine eleven happened. I remember being there, and the same thing. Like I was in. Uh, New Orleans, Louisiana, about a month or a few weeks before the hurricane hit that totally devastated um, New Orleans and, that, and the surrounding areas. And I don't know if it's that... Um, were people able to make a connection to that? Like, um, and it's, it's just... It's interesting to see that we feel the need to, like, connect ourselves to tragedy. I don't know if it makes it seem more personal to us... Or it makes it seem like we're more of the world than we are, not just seeing this. And it, I'm not exactly sure, but I feel like in the in the age where we're becoming more obsessed with social media and an, an internet presence, that as these things become more regular, it's it's got me to think of like, what happened if there was the same level of social media activity we have now during like major events, like if 9/11 happened now. How many people would have been sharing videos and pictures and doing, like, live feeds of themselves fleeing and all of that? Or if during um, during major events like hurricanes or that, if they were showing... Can you imagine how much more footage we would have because people would feel the need to show their connection to the tragedy at a, at a, at a wider level? Um, and then I got... Um, so we got to the thing about how social media has kind of changed how we how we experience tragedy. So I have a few things here that I'm going to move on to um, how the different media uses uh, the social media in probably a negative way. So, um, so one thing is interesting. So technology is directly connected to the way we receive our news. This is from the Thrive Global. Um, and says, in many ways, that's a good thing. Innovative text allows us to tell and experience important stories in new ways. But as our access to what's happening in the world becomes more immediate, more raw, and more visual, we're growing more familiar with the cost of that access. The all-too-frequent occasions when the, these same tools and apps give us a vivid, real-time view of crime, cruelty, and injustice. Uh, Wednesday, um, this is obviously dated to follow in line with um, the shooting at, at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida, which I've talked about in a previous podcast, which... Um, I'll link that episode um, in the comments for those who want to revisit it, um, which you can if you want to. It's obviously it's a very uh, tough that happened. So, um, so the 19-year-old uh, former student um, he killed uh, about 17 people at the at the high school with a semi-automatic rifle, and um, as it was quoted, students held onto their phones for dear life. During the rampage, students sent tweets, snaps, and text messages that offered the world a frightening vantage point as they crafted the story of what was happening in real time. One high school freshman tweeted, My school is being shut up and I'm locked inside. I'm, um, said I'm fucking scared right now. While there's posted shaky Snapchats and videos of their classmates hiding under desks with gunshots audible nearby. Text messages between students and their parents, particularly harrowing with one reading, If I don't make it, I love you and appreciate everything you did for me. 
The tragedy probably reflections on a frightening and increasingly familiar reality in which young people are in a position to broadcast violent events, even as they are unfolding. We're not used to being transported to the crime scene through cell phone cameras of the victims. Um, Brian Stutler wrote for CNN, this is new and blood-curdling. In one student video, for example, officers are seen entering classrooms shouting, put your phones away, put your phones away. Students shouldn't have to tweet through shootings or post snaps while worrying that they're the last message they'll ever send. Um, that they now do and that, that social media posts from inside active shooting zones will likely soon become another routine element of a situation that should never have been routine, should fill us with as much horror as the images themselves. While the live coverage and immediate access can be perceived as a positive thing, Helping Americans grapple with the crisis of school shootings, some computers are calling attention to apps and tools that can potentially make situations worse. For example, uh, a feature on Snapchat called SnapMap attracted attention because of the possibility that it could call attention to a person's exact location during an emergency. In SnapMap, anyone with a web browser can open the map, click on a location, zoom in, and see what people are snapping in that area. During a breaking news event, the map will light up in the specific location, drawing more and more users to watch the events unfold. As the Sydney Morning Herald notes, the feature could potentially be exploited to use desire to share information in exchange for attention without considering the consequences, which is kind of like what I said. Uh, in a live shooting situation, the possibility consequences are deadly. Um, without really, you can be brought into your making yourself vulnerable in this situation. So say the, the person who is committing the violent act could be using the same social media to find you that you're using to share your story to the world. So for those covering the news, seeing together narratives using tweets, snaps of videos, and being aware of the fake tweets and other social media hoaxes that particularly appear in wake of mass tragedy is central to telling the story. Lulu Ramadan, a 23-year-old reporter who has already covered three mass shootings in her career. I had home around 10 last night. I couldn't sleep. I was on Twitter until 1 in the morning looking at things and gathering information, she said. And this was from February 16th of 2018. Now, um, in Teen Vogue, which I know is not necessarily the best um, point, but... Considering how we're showing in tragedy, so um, this is how social media helps and hurts following a tragedy. So like other violent horrific events, uh, before this is from May of 2017, so this is even uh, further back. So the bombing at the Area Grande show in Manchester sent many of us social media for information, solace, and an attempt to be useful. Those in the area checked in with Facebook to alert friends we were safe, while others tried to help by retweeting missing person posts and calls to action, sharing where to go for a free hotel room and how to donate food, blood, or cash. Many expressed sympathy, grief, and solidarity. Others thought thoughts with the victims, hashtag pray for Manchester, replacing profile photos with images of the city, or iHeartMCR designs. Before social media, the internet, a violent event like a terror attack might spark us to get together in person to talk about it, and that still happens. Uh, a Mancunians gathered in, or as Mancunians, which is... Um, Guessing what Manchester people of Manchester are called uh, gathered in their thousand Albert Square today, so uh, as the rest of us gathered online. Now we have this really great online space where you can find people who are trying to process the tragedy like you are, said Dr. Jennifer Goldbeck, director of Social Intelligence Lab and a professor at the University of Maryland. That way of socializing can bring a lot of comfort and help as us understand what we're feeling just by talking about it. Nicole Ellison, professor in the School of Information at the University of Michigan, agreed, adding that alongside emotional support, our need for information is high. For some kinds of connection and information, social media is probably replacing other channels such as phone call or running out to buy a newspaper or watching the 6.30 TV news. Social media has probably changed how we respond, but the basic human needs it meets, social connection information, are the same. Uh, now is not the time for trolling, but social media can be an enemy rather than an ally. While that's true all the time, it cuts deeper at times of crisis. Alongside expressions of empathy, 
Then the response to the terror also saw trolls spreading fake missing person reports, shared by well-meaning tweeters and even news channels, as well as hate-inciting posts and nasty jokes. An attempt at dark humor may help uh, some cope, but perhaps better kept among friends than for all to see on social media. Um, yeah, I think now's the time. I saw some of that on Facebook and Twitter, even from some well-meaning people. I think uh, it's better just to be silent in these cases. If you don't have anything beneficial to add, and you're just doing it to be, um, just to put yourself out there and just make light of a tragedy, then you're better off just keeping your mouth shut. Uh, I think it's safe to say that there's a small percentage of the population who are true trolls and a large set of people who, under the right circumstances, may engage in hurtful behaviors as they wouldn't otherwise do. The motivations trigger many is getting a reaction in anger, fear, or hurt are easier emotions to trigger in others than more positive reactions such as admiration or hope. Dramatic events just make it easier to get a reaction because people are already afraid and upset. For the rest of us trying to be helpful in times of crisis, the desire to retweet every plea for assistance is understandable, but it's going to make sure they're real when the quick click through to the original account or dropping a picture into Google's reverse image search to see if it's really new. Be a skeptical consumer of information, said Allison. Focus on reputable sources and fact-check information before passing it on. Uh, try to use social media in a way that are positive, such as sharing useful information or offering social support. Be especially weary of stereotyping other reactions to fear um, that lead to uncivil and unproductive interactions. Um, there's another reason we need to be worried about what you're sharing is that it plays into terrorists' plans. Notes Zenyep Tufekian, Associate Sociology Professor at the University of North Carolina, and the author of a book about networked protests in a post on BuzzFeed. She notes that ISIS and its followers are good at getting media attention, it's their goal, she said. As ISIS is pursuing a deliberate strategy, one aimed to horrify the public so much as we go along with a set of irrational policies. Instead, we should, be we should disrupt their media strategy folks on the victims rather than the killers. Thankfully, social media users have gotten wise to the fact that sharing pictures of violence and focusing on the murders helps spread terror. This time around, practically the only pictures of injured or dead people from the Manchester attack I saw were attached to tweets and videos from outlets like BBC and CNN. The people are way ahead of mass media in understanding and countering this sick game of attention and horror. It's time for mass media to catch up. Uh, take care of yourself too, research says social media can negatively impact your mental health. And some of the pictures and videos posted after such events can be disturbing. Consider why you're online, look at the eyewitness reports or graphic images, it's something that helps that help me process and understand. Is something that bringing that brings me some comfort, or is something that I'm doing just to make myself feel worse? Dwelling in sadness can be helpful, and a good cry can help your process feelings. Uh, Dr. Goldbeck lived near the Pentagon in 2001, and she was she watched and rewatched videos of the terrorist attacks, despite finding them deeply unsettling. But eventually, had to force herself to stop, and it wasn't helping her process her feelings about the attack. When you do need to take a break, there are a few steps you can take from a technical standpoint to stem the flow of terrifying images and horrific reports. On Twitter, you can choose in the privacy and settings to not see sensitivity images by default or mute tweets containing certain words, helping to stem the flow if you do feel overwhelmed. That said, you can also just close the app to talk to people you know about the tragedy, whether in person or a messaging app, if you find that easier. Know your limits. Sometimes it's best to turn off the device and go for a walk or take a bath or find a baby to cuddle. It's a little weird, but okay. Um, and uh, kind of moving forward with that... Um, this is from Big Fish Communications about the role of social media in tragedy. Um, this is uh, going even further back. This is from uh, 2013. So in the wake of the tragic bombings of the Boston Marathon, many immediately turned to social media as their primary source of information. 
While traditional news outlets like CNN and NBC were quick to live report the unfolding events, their coverage lacked a key component the status of people's friends and loved ones in Boston. That's a new role that social media has taken on in tragic events like Monday's bombings. While websites like Twitter and Vine provide vital updates for news coverage, the ever-present problem of false information has prevented these networks from becoming trustworthy news sources. Instead, social media has adopted a different role in times like this, providing worried friends and families with a comforting update, I'm okay. While thousands turned to social media to ensure friends and family were safe, thousands more turned to the platform in an effort to help. Um, terms like donate help and volunteer surged to a 180-day peak on Twitter and thousands of homes were shared in a Google Doc offering people places to stay. Google even launched Person Finder where people can look for or provide information about anyone tied to the incident. What was really great was word spread very quickly so that people were able to slow and stop marathoners from running into what was essentially a war zone. We've discussed the role of social media in times of tragedy before October. Those affected by Hurricane Sandy took full advantage of social media to spread news around the country, and 10 photos were uploaded every second on Instagram. But the reaction to natural disasters differs greatly from the reaction to acts of terror. The tragic events of the Boston Marathon provoked a different type of response on social media platform, one that ultimately reaffirmed our nation's generosity and humanity. In tragedy, social media has become more than a news source. It has become an outpouring of support from people worldwide and a virtual meeting place for those affected by the events. Today, sites like Facebook and Twitter play a vital role in bringing nationwide news to a personal level, spreading on kindness and support in the process. So this one does see the positivity to it, but it definitely is a fine line where we can see um, how it can be misused and how it can be misinformed, but also how it can be very helpful. So it's just got something that needs to be a system of checks and balances in place. And like uh, other articles have elaborated that constantly checking social media during a tragedy can hurt your mental health. Um, this is absolutely after another tragedy. Um, this was um, after uh, 59 people were killed and more than 500 wounded at the Route 91 Harvest County Music Festival on October 2nd in Las Vegas, and that was in 2017. So most media has transformed the way to gather and learn news, particularly during tragedies like the Las Vegas shooting and the California wildfires. But while these platforms can provide a trove of useful information in real time, using them constantly may also be damaging to mental health. A new study published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences showed that people who excessively check social media during horrific events may experience more psychological distress. Social platforms can spread misinformation more easily, think unconfirmed reports updates from people who aren't professionals investigating the situation, but it further affect a person's mental state. Researchers surveyed more than 3,800 students at a university a week after their school was locked down to an active shooter on campus. They also analyzed Twitter and other social media data posted during and about the shooting. Sorry. Uh, participants were asked what sources they relied on during the tragedy, which included school and local authorities, loved ones, social media, and the traditional media like television or radio news. Those respondents who relied on friends, family, and social media for their news were subject to the most misinformation. Those vendors also experienced more anxiety surrounding the event, particularly those people who trusted the information they were told on social media. People who turned traditional media sources didn't have the same stressful experience, according to the study's authors, but it's unclear why this occurred. But it's nearly impossible to conduct a scientific study amid a crisis. A major caveat with this research is that it's relying on self-reported emotions following the event. It's unclear what people's social media behaviors and stress levels actually were in the moment when the tragedy was occurring. That being said, researchers do believe they study offers valuable insight on how people respond to tragedies. Uh, lead study author Nicholas Jones said people may turn to social networks for information as a way to help them feel in control of a situation where they're otherwise helpless. This may cause the brain to search for answers, many, making people more susceptible to believing wrong information as well as feeling stress. You're going to feel something no matter what, be, 
no matter what, because you're a human being. Jones, a doctoral candidate at the University of California. Where you go from there to mitigate anxiety is what really matters. They can also apply it to those people who may be following a tragedy but not directly involved. So what exactly do you need to manage the anxiety? Many people don't want to ditch social media altogether, but there are some ways to navigate it while minimizing psychological distress. So um, some of the options are... Um, start by understanding that social media plays a role in how you feel. These platforms can influence your emotions, even if you're not directly involved in the event. So be mindful of that as you're scrolling. Social media fuels the curiosity of victims and spectators that want to know what's going on through these tragic scenarios. Also need to be skeptical of the source. Um, if someone is sharing information in a tweet, check their credentials to manage anxiety. It's critical to seek reliable media outlets and police officials that are closely monitoring the situation. Use social media as a source for good. Reach out to loved ones who have been struggling let know you're thinking of them or sharing updates on your well-being if you can. You can also take positive action either online or off when you feel like you can. Um, limit your social media exposure where you can, so that may be difficult in the moment. But it's a good rule of thumb to keep in mind for those following from afar. Social media amplify the possibility of acute stress disorder that will lead to reoccurring flashbacks, nightmares, and lack of concentration. So prioritize your mental health. That's the bottom line. It's normal to feel this way during and following a tragedy. Notice that you're feeling excessive distress or anxiety following an event. Reach out to loved ones or even a professional for support. Now, uh, kind of that's how social media influences, and now it kind of pivots to um, the use of social media by um, by advertisers and by uh, companies and non people uh, like entities and uh, organizations, all of that. So, uh, one thing that I thought was kind of interesting is Volves. Uh, an ad campaign that I think we first saw teased a week or so ago involving um, the fact that planters killed off Mr. Peanut. Um, they released a clip showing um, Mr. Peanut in like the Peanut Mobile with like Wesley Snipes and um, the actor from like Veep, and he's done some other stuff. Um, the oh, what is his name? Uh, I can't remember exactly who the actor's name was, but so what happened was that um, following what happened um, on Sunday, Planters decided that they're pausing that ad campaign. So Kraft Heinz, um, who's the umbrella over Planters, is pausing its paid advertising behind a campaign about the apparent death of its animated mascot, Mr. Peanut. After the helicopter crash Sunday that killed nine people, including retired NBA superstar Kobe Bryant and his 13-year-old daughter Gianna, we wanted you to know that we are saddened by this weekend's news and planners has paused all campaign activities, including paid media, and will evaluate next steps through a lens of sensitivity to those impacted by this tragedy. Spokesman said in an email, the news of the pause was first reported by Ad Age. The spokesman said that this that the pause impacts paid advertising on channels such as Twitter and YouTube and some other outreach. So no changes have been made to the company's plans for Super Bowl Sunday. Planters Life Week released a cryptic tweet with a link to a video showing Mr. Peanut sacrifices up to save actors Wesley Snipes and Matt Walsh. That was the other actor. By plunging to his death to the spot, done with Vanier Media, will appear before Super Bowl kickoff during the pregame show. Then during the third quarter of the game, the company promises to broadcast Mr. Peanut's funeral so the world can mourn the loss of the beloved legume together. Mr. Peanut's social channels have been renamed with the estate of Mr. Peanut with a graphic of a crying monocle this account asked users to pay respect with the hashtag R.I.Peanut. Um, the tweet said, "Is with heavy hearts we confirm that Mr. Peanut has died at 104 in the ultimate selfless act. He sacrificed himself to save his friends and when they needed him most, please pay your respects with 
Hashtag RIP nut. Um, I thought that was interesting that um, a social media campaign that it really has nothing to do with the tragedy. It didn't involve um, Cody Bright didn't involve a helicopter. It did involve um, it did involve an explosion of a vehicle on a cliffside, which maybe was too close a comparison. But there's that stop. And then I kind of did some digging and realized that this isn't um, that's not always the case. A social media campaign doesn't get dropped on a tragedy. And I kind of did some digging, and I saw something that I thought was kind of... So actually, I found like two cases that are linked to two articles. Um, so this is from Ignite Social Media, which um, is just kind of what I found on a Google search. Um, it's a link to the like crisis management PR. This is all kind of about social media and their entities. So it seems like more so than ever, we're working up to devastating news when we turn on the TV or check into our social media accounts. You probably wondered what your, um, this is more targeted to a brand as opposed to a person, but it's still, I think, worth sharing here. So you probably wondered what your brand should do in relation to current events or after tragedy occurs. Well, maybe we tempted to pop into the social conversation via the trending hashtags, but not so fast. Take your marketing hat off for a minute and put your personal hat on. Put yourself in the shoes of a person, not a brand. Should brand go dark on social media when a tragedy occurs? We've seen lots of social media brands fails, and some are, are maybe even understandable to a degree. You can at least see how they might have arrived at the idea, though regrettable. I saw several brands fa- uh, brand fails around Carrie Fisher's death, but one that sticks in memory is from Cinnabon. And it's um, it's a Cinnabon tweet. It said, Recipes Carrie Fisher always have the best buns in the galaxy. And it's um, the picture shows um, a cinnamon bun as like her hair buns, and then... Um, kind of a profile of Carrie Fisher's Princess Leia done in cinnamon uh, around it. And Cinnamon tried to pay the tribute to Princess Leia's hair buns when they should have just gone dark that day. The world could have dealt with one day without tweets about cinnamon rolls. The worst part is the product placement. For instance, like celebrity deaths, it's very likely that individuals will want to mourn or acknowledge it on their personal social media accounts. That does not mean brands should do the same. Unless your brand has a personal relationship with the person, steer clear, somebody don't post, you'd rather be safe than sorry, right? Another rule of thumb in the wake of current events or tragedies, if it's something that every media outlet is headlining, just go dark. Make sure you check your pre-scheduled social media posts so that you don't automatically go out and risk your brand coming across as unsympathetic. Resent the temptation to put out a message on the tragedy unless your brand has a close tie to the situation. Whatever you do, definitely don't try to make it about your brand or products like one Texas mattress company did promoting a Twin Towers sale. Yikes. It said, when in doubt, go dark. Um, so that's obviously an extreme example, but I still think something that um, more social media companies do. So um, it also follows up with the three social media rules for death and tragedy. Uh, when David Bowie died, um, companies hither and yon decided to hitch their social media exposure and engagement wagons to Ziggy Stardust. Thinking of the strategy of writing the hashtag in the license to use a person's death is suitable fodder for social content. Many of these posts were either commercials wrapped in the false cloak of tribute or the companies doing the posting were so far removed from anything to do with Bowie and his work that it felt disingenuous. The most egregious was that hastily deleted tweet from Crocs, which somehow managed to accrue more than 100 retweets and three dozen likes before being pulled. Evidently, the Venn diagram of people who loved both hideous footwear made from a 3D printer and David Bowie includes at least 100 persons in the overlapping center. Um, the tweet says, You're magically missed, but your inspiration lives on forever. Hashtag David Bowie. The picture of a white croc with the the Ziggy Stardust like lightning bolt thing through it, um, which obviously is um, 
I'm really missing the point. Um, but uh, there were others, a lot of others, that might not have been as ham-handed, but weren't exactly selfless tributes either. Videos want to more acknowledge death on their personal social media pages. I'm all for it. But when companies get involved, it's a minefield. Um, so the person who wrote this said, so on their Facebook page, saying, even though you call it a tribute in your staff meeting, you're still using someone's death as a way to get attention for your company and social media. Uh, most would agree with uh, the point. Some did not. So uh, Douglas Carr, who uh, writes the excellent marketing tech blog and was frankly aggrieved by my brand shouldn't be paying tribute to Bowie stance, they got into a bit of a kerfuffle. So it said, he commented, meh. How do you provide a tribute in social media without drawing attention to oneself? Um, response was, why do you need to provide a tribute at all? As an individual, sir, but as company, crass. I said, I respect for someone you appreciate that was lost. That way, that may have been impacted you or even the company. I think the tributes to Bowie are amazing today. Crass may be the assumption that you know better, understand their motivation. He responded, I'm not assuming I know better. I have an opinion yours may differ using someone's death as a marketing tool regardless of intentions. I find it to be tacky. Maybe I just have a different value system, but I think some thing should be off limits to marketers. If companies have an actual connection to the deceased, I at least say see this bias if for it a little beyond that nope. So combined with Paris and other recent events that exchange um so let's see. So the new uh, social media rules for death and tragedy. These rules govern scenarios that play out in Western cultures. Primarily North America, other parts of the world have different rules and you should seek to understand them if your company is active there. And speaking of companies, let me reiterate that these rules are only for businesses. Individuals should do whatever they want to do. You're a person and you do not have a brand or shareholders that you need to worry about. So do whatever makes you feel better during dark times. So rule number one is stay silent during a tragedy. For purposes of these rules, I define a tragedy as any horrific occurrence significant enough that the judgment interrupts regular programming to go live with a story and stay with that story. I do see an of using old media behaviors to govern new media behaviors, but I'll take my severity cues from CBS and their brethren long before I use trending topics as a guide. So if TV is wall-to-wall talking about something terrible, do not post. Certainly stop all automated posts. Um, do not post that the brand that our hearts and prayers are with the survivors. The only exemption is if the events occurred in a city-state region where your brand is based. Uh, for example, if it would be acceptable for Anderson Bush to post about a tragedy in St. Louis. Um, even that's there, do not post thoughts and prayers while the crisis is still unfolding. Nobody needs to be comforted by a company. That's not what companies do and not what companies are for. People provide comfort, not to companies. Very accurate, I think that's very true. Only attribute your own. In the case of high profile death like David Bowie, Steve Jobs, Rob Williams, the decision on whether or not to acknowledge the passing in your brand social media should be easy to make. Just ask yourself the question, did our brand ever have an actual relationship with this person in a significant way? If the relationship of a tribute is relevant, if you didn't, it isn't. For example, the tweet from Columbia Records, Bowie's longtime label is on point. Um, we are deeply saddened by the loss of David Bowie is on our and a privilege to release his music to the world. Um, uh, it's the... A friend of the poster uh, commented, um, Brands don't mourn. A, sh- a shoe does not feel lost. A cup of coffee is not sad. A cookie does not miss you. People do, and while your organization is made out of people, it should leave the grieving to the individuals to express. The only exception I can imagine is if someone was actually engaged by your brand or deeply associated with your brand at the time of their passing, and those close to the departed would expect you to acknowledge it or have asked you to. And something simple and not promotional without pulling your product in the center and without hashing yourself into the broader conversation or previously existing campaign of yours. A cup of coffee is not saddened exactly. Um, rule number three, it's about them, not you. In the wake of tragedy or demise, you feel that the need to include a photo of your product or location or feel even the slightest urge to use multiple hashtags so that your post will be seen by a broader audience, that your current fans and followers, I implore you to resist those cravings. Uh, that's really the last thing I had provided for this story. 
And I, I think it rings true. Yes, obviously, in times of tragedy, you feel the need to insert yourself. I think if it's true for you as a person, then if you're involved in like the marketing or media of a company, um, you might feel the need to do the same um, then. You're just like, if you're all feeling the same way, you're like, oh, as the company, we should put this out there. Or if you're the social media person for an organization. But like, let's say um, something happened and... Um, so like during the comics network as an entity decided to, um, post a tribute to that or say like, um, here's a list of the podcasts that we had that talked about this topic or this person. Like, I'm pretty sure even though we're all, everyone on the network are big, like comic book fans or fans of entertainment properties like Star Wars. I don't think the network ever said, um, specifically, um, our goals go out to like, like when Carrie Fisher passed. But say, for example, um, like, not that I, I, Nate will probably kill me, but I'm saying like, say if something happened to a member of the Misfits, then Nate's band, Walk Among Us, would be in the right to um, offer their condolences as a tribute because they are, um, they have an active following, they are linked to the band, they have met most of its members, that makes sense. But if Poor360 was like, Poses something about it, and I have no connection to them. It just seems crass and out of place. Or say if I had a business and did that. If you have a personal connection to what's happening, that makes sense. But otherwise, not. And the same thing to be tied as a person. Like whenever these tragedies happen, we feel the need to insert ourselves, and that's not actually the case. It's just if you know someone who's personally affected, definitely reach to them. But don't make it a big social media thing to just insert yourself into the conversation. And I really think that's it. Just kind of when these things happen, you guys to get step back, like. I, know, I fell into the, the hole of Sunday night, even spread some misinformation uh, in person because of things I was reading, even though some of it, they were not proven facts, it was just something I read. And that and it's the slippery slope, so we just got to make sure that we are doing our due diligence, and if you don't know for sure what's going on, definitely be silent about it. You don't need to share something. I've seen so many people who share things that turn out to be false just because it seemed like something that should be shared. So I think with that, I'm going to wrap up this week's episode. This has been episode 55 um, definitely, um, my heartfelt condolences go out, uh, to them. This isn't, like, pandering or anything to do that, but it is, um, a tragedy you do have to be reminded of, um, those who are important to you and how, um, all this stuff on here that we're doing is for, um, yeah, it's just, you gotta just take, um, into consideration what others are going through and be there for the, those that uh, mean the most. Um, so I think that'll wrap up episode 55 of Poor 360. As always, I've been Andrew Poor, and you guys have a great week. And hug your loved ones. Thanks, guys.